What did you say? Take it away, sir. Ah, ah, okay. Um, I believe the line from the Red Hot Chili Peppers was, give it away, give it away, give it away now. But short tip, we can do that. Let's get into episode five, season three, Stats of Matter. Uh, in our cups this week, a double coffee porter from Burlington, Vermont. You got a double dry hop IPA from West Hartford, Connecticut. Listen, Dem, no one's going to say you're not like the biggest stand of Connecticut beer. It's not possible. If someone were to say that there's not a, a bigger supporter of Connecticut beer than you, I would, I'd seriously challenge their bona fides. I would. I don't know how you do it. It's like it's like you keep going to every single package store and just say, "Oh, that's new. I'll try that." And, and I, I appreciate it. I'm sticking with it. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Stats Don't Matter and on Twitter at Stats Podcast for all things sports and beer. And find Stats Don't Matter wherever you get your podcast: Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, Google. Tim, let's get into the show. That's usually where you say something like, let's go, boys. I, I, I wonder if my, my, my allergies are suppressing me because I gave us a, 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 all right, let's go. But maybe it came out uh, muted and yeah. quiet. Yeah. It, yeah. Seasonal allergies is definitely a real fucking thing. That's, that's, that's for damn sure. Um, yeah. Brutal. And as right outside the, you know, this window is a big ass tree that's blooming so i'm not gonna say he's not there but if you hear a whole bunch of clicks in this episode it's because tim and i are trying to mute our microphones as we inevitably sneeze or something listen i'm gonna start off here and i'm gonna and for what's in my cup this week i got this fantastic double coffee porter from burlington beer co so i went up to visit kyle and jess in burlington uh this past weekend um kyle was my best man at the wedding we've been friends uh fraternity brothers for Gosh, almost 15, 16 some odd years. So we'd always talk it. Hey, we're going to get up there. We're going to come visit you. So we went up this weekend. Did a lot of cool things. Went to Burlington Beer Co. Uh, had lunch and uh, got some beers. And I don't know if you, Tim, have you had Burlington Beer Co. before? I have. It's been a, it's been a little bit. I know they're uh, they're one of the OG sought afters. So it has been it yeah, has been they, a little bit. But yeah, I do like them. One thing that I, I definitely think a lot of people don't know enough about Burlington Beer is that their hazy IPAs definitely do have a um, a good distribution in New England. Um, and, you know, some of their other pale ales do as well. Uh, they're not really known for making lagers uh, or pilsners. They do have some sours. And they're, I'm, I'm seeing a lot more barrel-aged stuff out of them now. That's what, uh, that's what I noticed was there uh, when we when we got a meal and, and some beers. So that was, uh, that was pretty cool. So shout out to Kyle and Jess. Thanks for hosting us this weekend. Barista double coffee Porter 7.3% Bob. It's a collab with Abracadabra coffee co. So I'm telling you right now that I just, it's almost half a foot away from me and I can smell nothing but coffee. So this is probably mm-hmm. going to be good. Decent head retention on there. Um, I, I think, I'll get into it after after I take this sip here, but I think these coffee porter, this trend that I'm noticing a lot more of, I'm, I can get behind it. So let, let's see here. One, 55 sips, everyone knows the rules. I do I do appreciate you, uh, you, you getting back in a little bit to the, uh, or not getting back in, but uh, getting more involved with some of the darker beers. Yeah. And, and, and during sure. warmer, warmer seasons. Oh, God. It was like... 80s uh, up there in uh, Burlington this weekend, and then it's going to be 80s and 90s this week here in Virginia. So looking forward to it. Um, what I will say, this beer just from just from the jump. Oftentimes, when you get something that's coffee, they're they're using something else to try and um, make it thicker than it needs to be. And a porter, 
is supposed to be thinner in style anyways. I really like that. The head retention on this thing is phenomenal, and there's quite a bit of coffee taste to it. I don't hate that. It's very, very drinkable. For 7.3%, I don't think it should be that palatable. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not chewy either. Because, you know, sometimes with, like, coffee, you know, coffee beers, you get, like, the the sugary, almost, like, chewiness to it. I don't get that with this one. Nice. Yep. Yep, pretty damn good. I'm going to go ahead and give this a 4.3. Um, I did happen to... Uh, Make sure that the wealth was spread. Um, you know, there was uh, a choice meetup um, in the Burlington waterfront with the beer store. So there should be um, should be some deliveries coming potentially. Ooh. One of the other, one of the other uh, podcast hosts, you know, here to their house. So you'll have to let me know when that porch bomb drops. But I got one of those All in right. there allegedly for you. But uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's pretty good. It's definitely pretty good. Not too bitter. Not too sweet. Um, and again, I, I just got to keep talking. You're not gonna be able to see it, but in a beer, that's a, that's a Porter, you get minimal head retention. And, and this thing has been there for a minute, which lets me know it's just going to be a great beer throughout the rest of the glass. So pretty stoked about it. Shout out to Burlington beer co four, three, let's go. Nice. Uh, <clears throat> I'm still riding the, uh, the IPA train, uh, as it would seem, or at least the double, uh, cause this week, uh, I'm going with another local one. So when we originally started this, I thought the idea was small local craft breweries, which is why I tend to stick to local small craft. Yeah, I mean, Burlington is a breweries. small local uh, craft brewery town, right? Yeah, but not local to, uh, well, well, we'll say it's in New England. How's that? Yeah, <laughs> local, local to me, local to me if I me. travel there. Uh, yeah, no, that's why I keep going to, uh, to some of these Connecticut ones. But New Park is one of the better Connecticut breweries, uh, in my opinion. Uh, a lot of what they do is is really good. There's a couple of them I would probably put in the same class. Sky Gazers, another one, uh, but they tend to do a lot of sours and, and Berliners and, and a lot of interesting beers. Uh, they do a lot of collabs too. But New Park, New Park tends to be uh, really consistent. Before they started distributing pre-COVID, they were one of the ones that everybody was going out to 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 pick up can releases. So. Uh, a lot of their better stuff, you still have to go to the brewery to get. Uh, this one, uh, thankfully, landed uh, close by, so I was able to snag it. But it's uh, Double Cloud. Uh, it's their double IPA. Uh, I love their can art, by the way. Like, this one's really cool. It's all these, I you know, uh, this is a radio uh-huh. uh, podcast, so you guys are listening to this. But it's a very, uh, it's, uh, it's like a pastel uh, sunset, would you say that is? Or sunrise, one or the other? Yeah. 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 Pretty can. Pretty can. Um, anyway, give it a go. My COVID sense of spell is completely back, so that's a win. Hey! Fortunately, allergies are battling that down a little bit, but uh, that's, a, that's a weird thing with allergies. I didn't have allergies growing up. That was a nice uh, gift that came with age. Like, the lower back pain you just suddenly get sometimes. Oh yeah, yeah. Did did a little uh, bike trail uh, this weekend mm-hmm. up in Burlington. There, uh, let let's just say, and Kyle's gonna laugh his ass off when he hears this on on the episode. Um, I I was like, oh yeah, riding a bike, and then like yesterday, I was like, yo, why the fuck are my calves and my forearms so sore? What the <laughs> fuck is this? You know what I mean? And, like my my quads are like stiff, and I went for like a run today, and I just had like heaviest feet ever. I'm just like. 
you know, I'm really 35 years old and I'm so fucking old that I ride a bike and two days later I'm like, oh God. My my wife sent me a photo and I'm like, oh my gosh, look how uh, thin you looked in this photo. And I looked and I was like, oh shit, that's because I was thin. And that was when I was riding, not like, you know, no offense to anybody out here that does that, but like the super douchey, I'm getting in my biking suit on my $5,000 bike and I'm going to pedal on the side of the road or on trails people walk on and like, we're running out of folks. Not like that. On your left. On your left. Yeah. Um, no, I had a, I like a, either a mountain bike or I have a, uh, like a, a cheap K2 hybrid bike that's built like a mountain bike, but it's got thinner tires. But I would ride oh. that shit on purpose, like 20 miles a day, three times a week, four times a week on the uh, Farmington River Trail, which is uh, old railroad tracks that they've converted to a walking, biking style path. Um, I lost so much weight doing that, and my legs were in phenomenal shape. I haven't done that in uh, about a about a year, so uh, everything kind of came back. But at one point, oh, I must have yeah. lost like... I don't know. I started doing it pretty aggressively, and in six or seven months, cut back on beer and doing that. I must have dropped like twenty five pounds. I was in like college maybe, level shape. Maybe that's what we need nuts. to do. We need we need to be you know doing the what's in my cup and what's the bike route this week. <laughs> what's in my cup? Uh, Sixteen fluid ounces of water. This will be my <laughs> ninth cup. Okay. Before before I give you guys this this beer, uh, this is this is how serious I've gotten about uh, cutting back and getting back in shape. Uh, as a reminder to myself to stop snacking so much, I went on and did a uh, like a calorie intake calendar, and it's now the lock screen. Oh, you can't see it. Mm. Yeah, it's the oh, lock yeah, there screen go. on my phone as a reminder oh, to to tell me uh, to keep me in check, saying how many calories I need to consume. So uh, nice. we're gonna change. I might I may end up you know doing some more whiskeys for some of these podcasts just to kind of cut back on that. 9,000 calories in each one of these. But anyway, back to this delicious beer. Let's give it a go. <laughs> there we go. It's once a week. Cheat day. <sighs> yeah, but there's three more in the pack. <laughs> mm. Mm. Man, this thing is super smooth and very like pillowy soft. There is almost... It's not until... The very like last bit of flavor trails off that you get any bitterness whatsoever on this. It doesn't say on the can what it's brewed with. We're gonna look this up real quick because this is uh this is impressively smooth. I will I will say I've had one of these previously, but it was not as smooth as what this one just was. Double cloud, new park. See what this bad boy has in it. <clears throat> Uh, beer menus. It is brewed uh, with white wheat malt, flaked wheat, and flaked oh. oats. Um, I love a, an oat IPA or a pale ale. It says super saturated with one of our favorite uh, American hop varieties, a fluffy citrus creamsicle. But it doesn't say Ooh, specifically what that uh, favorite American hop variety is. But It's probably like Falconer's Flight or something. Yeah, it doesn't say, nice but man, blend. that is, uh, that is surprisingly, surprisingly smooth and more so than the first time I had it too. That is, uh, they're, they're pretty accurate with the fluffy creamsicle. It literally, it, 
it is like very uh like cotton candy like on the tongue and then like it's it's like pillowy soft that's that like the the flaked wheat and the, the flaked oats that are in there that make it that soft uh like creamier feel to it very thankful it doesn't have milk sugar in it because a lot of people try to make up for some of that with a lot of like sweeter milk sugar but holy shit this thing is phenomenal uh, i'm gonna give this one like a four six like this is this is really really good yeah all right let me pump the brakes for us yeah this i was gonna say jesus you saw my I'm, little I'm get... bulging eyes emoji and you're like all right hold on, hold on. Uh, four, nah, five, you know two. what i'm gonna give it like a i'm gonna give it a four 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 six is a little aggressive that might be the close to the highest ip i've ever get this is up there it really is up there but it's not i mean we all know where my loyalties lie in terms of connecticut beers and you have uh now become part of that initiated initiated circle yeah uh, yeah I, I do have to say yeah yeah so i'm gonna give this one uh what i said four 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 yeah yeah four four All solid right. i'm actually looking forward to the other ones in the fridge which you may even have during this podcast who knows all right <laughs> let's hop into this here we talked in the last episode of stats Mariner podcast about the celtics and we said kind of mm. you know win or lose like they definitely have a lot of talent um but they went to game seven and they beat the brakes off of the Milwaukee Bucks. It was great. It was fantastic. Uh, they're currently in game one versus the Heat right now. Out Al Horford for COVID and the Marcus Smart for a bruised thigh. So I checked at halftime up by like six points. We'll see what ends up happening here. Uh, the East have kind of had Boston's number here, but there was a wild stat that was floating around the internet this weekend that the Boston Celtics have made the Eastern Conference Finals in four of the last six years, and they've been to almost half of the Eastern Conference Finals that have ever occurred in NBA history. Um, that being said, Coach Ime Udoka definitely knows what the fuck he's doing, and the team is definitely coming alive, I think, hopefully at the right time. Um, but Eric Spolstra and the Heat are a very formidable team. So we're going to have to see what goes on there. I still think that the Celtics have the, the pedigree. I think they have the talent, and now I think they have the direction to win this series. Um, they beat a Bucks team that didn't have Chris Middleton. That series could have been drastically different, right? Could mm -hmm. have been. But Giannis was doing Giannis things, as we said, all throughout those games, and everyone else was just beating the Celtics. And they, they kept coming in and just blowing big leads. So as long as the Celtics can keep a lead, hold it, awesome. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say Celtics in six because I don't think that they're going to sweep. The, I, I think the Heat are just... Too good of a team, mm -hmm. but I, of course I need my I need my Celtics Warriors championship prediction from the <laughs> the pre you know the pre postseason to, to come true. So that's what I'm going to say, Tim. What's your prediction? Uh, the Heat kind of scares me a little bit. Um, and I'm I'm not even necessarily sure I I, I even know why. Uh, I think they're one of those. Where the Celtics always play very difficult against those guys. Um, we've seen yeah. in the previous years what the Heat are capable of. They're one of those like surprise runner teams. So I could see this one going a full seven and really f coming down to um, like injuries making a difference in some of these they're like either one of those teams is like a key injury away from 
you know, really giving this one up. And Hero's been, you know, a little bit quieter this season than he was uh, the last run. Um, but this is really, this Eastern Conference is when he really started to kind of put himself out there. Uh, Jimmy Butler has been playing his ass off, so. Uh, Don't compare me to Tobias Harris. You want Tobias Harris over me? <laughs> that little locker room, Tris, was fantastic. Love to see it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kyle Lowry's out. So they've they've definitely got some some injuries of their own to go through. Um, I do think that the Celtics are turning into a team that is, uh, you know, one of the better defensive teams we've seen in quite a long time. Um, we're seeing that. You know, each se- sorry, each series it seems to get better and better, and they find better ways to to kind of remove your star player as best as best as they possibly can. I mean, Giannis still had uh, you know a career and record in NBA historic what, th- two, playoff. Was it uh, was it three hundred, two hundred, one hundred, or two hundred, one hundred? There was like something where he got like two hundred points, hundred assists, and then like I think fifty steals or blocks, like in in the postseason ridiculous like it's just yeah it's it was it was insane i think their defense is going to be their big difference maker here if they find a way to neutralize butler even a little bit um i think maybe they they find a way to squeak this one out i do think it'll probably go with a full run though i'm gonna say celtics in seven celtics in seven i hope i'm wrong but you know yeah let's see moving on Warriors, Mavericks. Now, Ooh. there there was a lot of great games last week. One of the best series I don't think we talked enough about because we probably weren't paying attention to it because we're too busy paying attention to our beloved Celtics was the Mavs Sun series where it went the distance. Um, there's a lot of shit talk in the Suns Mavs game. You got two rising stars and Luka Doncic and um, Devin Booker, and they kept being the highlight of the series. But the colossal ass-whooping that happened in the last game from Mavericks Suns when the Suns, after their coach, named Coach of the Year, and to be honest, very deserving, right? Phoenix was a team that you know wasn't really that great over the last few years, and they've just really come back like roaring into our NBA conscious lately. Like, I'm, I'm okay with, with Coach Bates like being Coach of the Year. That's, that's fine. Absolutely. To not show up at all in that last game was perplexing, stupefying, unbelievable. <laughs> Makes me believe that the refs were that you know, insert whatever Tim Spears you want here. Like it does not make any sense, right? At one point they were up, I think, like twenty or thirty points, and Luca was still playing. And I'm just sort of like, I mean, I understand why, because like this, you know, like everyone's been mm-hmm. talking a lot of shit, but like. Get that man off the court. Like you got, you got to keep him healthy for the rest of the of the series. And like, there were a lot, a lot of moments in that game where the Mavs could have taken their foot off the gas. And I've been saying it all, like all season, right? I've just been saying, you know, I really want to see a team just like you know put their foot on someone's throat, just really hold it there. And that's exactly what happened for them to send the Phoenix Suns home the way that they did uh, to advance uh, against the Golden State Warriors. This is a fantastic matchup, I think. Right, um, the Warriors. Not exactly the Splash Brothers that they used to be. Um, the team isn't as formidable as they used to be, but they are the Golden State Warriors. They're going to be a couple bad games here and there, 
But for the most part, you're you're still going up a miniature version of the death squad. And the Mavs, they do have a lot of pieces. They they're they're a very good team. They are definitely the the blue collar team in this matchup, if you would if you would say that. Not just because Dallas and San Francisco are metropolitan areas, but if you were to take a look, you know, probably more expensive to live in <laughs> Oakland and the Bay Area than it does to well, maybe not. You know, it could be, could be. We're both tricking ourselves into thinking these are blue collar teams when they're not. My my big thing there is, I love that this this Mavs team is scrappy. I love that for for once that I can remember in recent memory since the Dirk Nowitzki years long ago when they won the championship, that they are as bombastic as their owner mm. Mark Cuban, and they're backing it up on the court. I, love I absolutely love that. I think it's great for the sport. And I also think that the Warriors have something that they're trying to prove that we haven't fallen off. You should still, you know, pull the covers up over your head at night because we're still the fucking boogeyman out here. So I love this series. I will try and pay attention to it as much as I can. Obviously Celtics heat, you know, notwithstanding, but um, I I don't want to say my pick either way, because I would be happy with either of these two teams getting in the finals right. for sure. Um, you know, the basketball fan of me who wants to keep, Seeing teams stack, you know, Larry O'Brien's. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, w- I would want the Warriors to win five or six, but I also kind of want Luca to win, uh, win a championship because Nikola Jokic was the MVP mm-hmm. of the league this year. But Luca was just the way he was putting viral moments out in that game. They're not like you know leaning down, looking at like Devin, um, you know, smacking the ball out. That that step back like shimmy where he just juked a guy completely like out of his out of his boots the guy fell down the ground with his hands up like looking for the call and then luca just like looks down <laughs> and just drains a three like oh my god that dude's that dude's career he, he needs that the dude who got stepped on needs to like start finding ways to make himself not be like the ai crossover uh that happened many many years ago because that that's that i mean if he doesn't do anything that's all people are going to remember him as so personally mm-hmm. basketball fan in me Mavs and six actual, I watch basketball and, and I'm a realist. Warriors. And six. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I guess, I mean, there, there's a couple differences between the Suns and the Warriors. Obviously that's, it's not really any sort of knock on the Suns. It's just, you have multiple threats on the Warriors that you may not necessarily have had to face, you know, previously. So, the look and feel is going to be drastically different across the board. It just is. Um, Thompson at any point can get hot and he can dump threes. Steph Curry, obviously we know uh, what he can do from the three-point line. He led the uh, he he led the season, or sorry, the postseason in uh, two-point percentages uh, above all of the other star players who are still in the league at like 58% or something like that. So, it, I mean, sorry, 56.3%. This is two-point percentage in the playoffs. Uh, Lucas is 56.1, so obviously that one's pretty close. Giannis was 53.7. Tatum is 47.8. So there's this funny hashtag going around. Hashtag yeah. declining Steph Curry, kind of poking fun at any of the pundits that said that he's not quite where he was, which is just, you know, not accurate. Um 
I mean, it, if the dude sounded from Mar- Olymp- you know, Mount Olympus and he just happened to fall down <laughs> a couple levels, he's still yeah. in the clouds. You know what I mean? He's still yeah. above everyone else. I don't think else. by any stretch of the imagination that's going to be anything uh, more than what we what we expect. Um, it's a tough one, though, because I, you know, I've called them sort of the Kansas City Chiefs of the NBA, but I really think that's disingenuous to the Warriors. I think Kansas City is the Warriors of the NFL, not the other way around uh <laughs> because because this is yeah. i mean mahomes and curry are you know interchangeable in terms of you know the the what they bring to the what they bring to the sport and what they bring to their teams and what they bring to the league uh where they're both you know kind of changing the entire dynamic of how you build out a team uh curry's done the same thing but um I don't know. This is kind of an interesting one because they're they're hardened, they're battle tested, they've been here before. I mean, they got bounced last year, and you know what they they came out and said like you don't want to see us again next year. And sure enough, they came out and and handled their business. And and uh, you know, I think if Draymond can stay out of trouble and stay on the court instead of you know getting ejected or or whatever for. In my opinion, you know, some of it's his his gameplay and his style, but the other part is a little bias and in his reputation. I think that kind of goes against him. But if Green, Thompson, Curry are all healthy and they all play well, it's it's going to be a really tough matchup. And uh, Luca can do so much, but that's a really tall task. But they got a lot of momentum going their way. Uh, they are riding sort of that high, so. You can never count that out. I think this one's going to go... I could see this one going six or seven games as well, but I, you know, unfortunately, I, f- I feel the Warriors might just have too many weapons for one star player to overcome. Uh, not that he's the only good player on that team, but he is the one that has been driving a lot of what's been going on. Uh, and defensively, both teams stack up pretty similar in terms of um uh, you know points allowed three points allowed all that sort of stuff so um the warriors are are like a 0.1% better in terms of three th- uh, three pointers allowed per game so that's obviously a marginal difference between the two of them so it's just going to come down to playmakers and i think there's just too many on the warriors to stack up against right I, I could see the celtics being a team who's good at sort of making you use one tool and they remove the rest uh being a little bit more formidable but i don't know if the the mavericks have that same caliber so uh as much as i would love to see them uh go through and win you know if not the celtics i think seeing them win and luca take one uh would be amazing i think getting past uh golden state's gonna be a little too tall of an order so i'm gonna say uh i'll probably say ah man it pains me the warriors in six probably although one one of the interesting things about a lot of this is uh luca was kind of frowned upon uh coming into this league and i know i'm not saying anything new that nobody's ever heard Mm -hmm. in fact the last few days i've heard multiple networks and multiple pundits say the same thing but just to kind of reiterate a lot of the big conversation was that you know the Mavs may have made a mistake in drafting him because we saw such limited uh footage of him and exposure and when he got drafted or when he got signed it was kind of like this will never translate over it's such a different style game it's nothing like 
what goes on in the NBA, and that man has done nothing but excel since he joined. I mean, he's gone up against some of the best of the best and has put up numbers similar or better than some of the some of the great outings that happened, and he continues to get better. So I think he was someone who was who was unfortunately overlooked by a very large margin, unfairly. And I think what what he's doing is beyond impressive. And I think it's something that needs to kind of start garnering more attention than than what it has. Tatum's kind of in the same boat. I mean, Tatum has sort of been the the marquee name on that team for the last few years now, but he's really coming into his own. It has gone up against KD and LeBron and Giannis and all of these superstars and come out on top of a lot of these guys. Uh, obviously, you know, some of that has to do with the team that he's on and the quality of their defense and, and just the structure of that team. But still, he has carried them to some pretty significant wins and has put up not only points in really clutch moments, but has come up with some really good defensive moments and rebound moments in some of these high pressure situations too so you know it's good to see some of these young guys are are helping you know set the future of what this league is going to be um but i think you know tatum and luca are two guys that are really sort of picking up and carrying the torch uh you know following suit with guys like clay thompson and, and steph curry and whatnot but yeah <clears throat> I, I would agree with you on that all right, let's uh, let's hope by the next time you hear this that we've got some at least decent clarity. You know, maybe a, maybe a three one lead for the Celtics would be nice. Shit, I'll, t- I'll take I'll take a four zero sweep. That'd be that'd be fan freaking tastic. Because any at this point, any less games you can have on those legs is going to be fantastic. Yeah, anybody, anybody, anybody who's uh, currently right, Tim, curious, we, the Celtics are up uh, uh, six points in the third right now. <laughs> Hey, sometimes you got to get a lead, and holding on to the lead is just as hard and proves how, how good of a team you are rather than just, you know, right. running away with something. You learn a lot more in those two, three possession games. Tim, we've, we've talked at some point over the last few episodes uh, in last season and this season about legal happenings with Trevor Bauer um, and Deshaun Watson. We've, we've sort of pontificated lightly on them, but we've not really gone deeply into it. Uh, there was a report that came out today, um, Yahoo! sports um jay busby says he has sources that have pretty much figured out there's no way that deshaun watson case is going to finish before planned mediation or arbitration dates um, as of august 1st to 2023 what does that mean that means if there's not a trial and they can't come to a settlement before august 1st then the case gets pushed to 2023 which is bullshit but that seems to be what the legal uh, situation is going through right now. Uh, Deshaun Watson apparently met with uh, the NFL, and, and they're going to conduct their own investigation. Where I think all this points to, zero fucking game suspension for Deshaun Watson in 2023. Mm-hmm. I mean, sorry, 2022. Um, that's the way his contract was set up, which was weird, but now I guess it sort of makes sense. Um, there is no easy way to say this, but Watson is actively doing things, I think, that harm his case, um, such as this article from The Hill, which th- that's a political news source, right? So I'm not a, I'm not taking any sports spin or anything, okay? But it's, it's the same article that you could find on the Google machine anywhere else, okay? 
where basically Watson said in testimony that one of the women whom brought a case against him, he sent a text message to after he left saying, quote, sorry about you feeling uncomfortable. Never were the intentions. Let me know if you want to work in the future. My apologies, unquote. I don't fucking know if that's an admission of guilt. It seems pretty fucking close to me that if you have someone who's saying this is what happened and it moved me to tears and then, I, I mean, I'm not a lawyer. We're not in the court of public opinion, but holy shit. The NFL is going to do exactly this. They're going to suspend him for zero games. There's going to be a whole bunch of fucking controversy, which is going to sell a whole bunch of tickets for people going to Cleveland Browns like stadium to boo Deshaun Watson. It's not going to have any effect whatsoever on that team. That is that that just befuddles me. I don't understand it because what's going to happen some now between now and the end of the season is the Browns aren't going to make the playoffs. Shocker! And then boom, legal bombshell comes out. Oh, Deshaun's going to be found guilty of these sorts of things. Oh, and by the way, his salary is fucking guaranteed. So it doesn't matter that he's not going to play for half or more of the games in the 2023 season. I I don't I don't like it. I don't like it whatsoever. I understand it's the way the legal system is built and the way that it works, but like the NFL can do the right thing by not looking at the fact that they say, oh, they're not gonna they're not gonna solve 22 cases before August 1st. So maybe we just don't do anything. No, no, no. You got ballyhooed for how much you didn't do during the Ray Rice situation. You got ballyhooed for the Colin Kaepernick thing when you could have easily just found a way to get him a a tryout instead of having to try and settle Mm -hmm. out of court, which is what the NFL is trying to do. They're trying to bring this to arbitration so that none of this shit comes to light. It's the same thing they're doing with the Brian Flores situation. They bring it to arbitration. They get to keep it privately behind closed doors. Everyone signs NDAs and fucking there's a money settlement. And then we all get to speculate about it for the rest of our lives. That should not happen with this. If there are this many instances, like we said, it's not like 22 women came together and said, let's destroy Deshaun Watson's life. There is something there, and I feel like the standard needs to be set, and the NFL has to do what is right. And if that means four or six games based on nothing, then you do it to protect the shield. You do it to raise some faith in the game. Like People are not going to stop watching because Deshaun Watson is not quarterback from the Cleveland Browns. It's not happening. I'm sorry. You might think that people are going to say, well, I'm going to cancel the NFL. It's not fucking happening. Stats don't back it up. The ratings don't back it up. It's it's going to happen. People are going to watch football. It's one of the most popular sports in America. It owns multiple days of the week. Zero games likely suspension right now should not be the precedent that's set. The NFL yeah. should do it's, something. It's um, just... Just to play devil's advocate here, uh, while I agree with a lot of that, I think it's kind of in an interesting spot right now in terms of how you handle it, only because, like, what's the other most popular controversy going on right now outside of football? It's the Johnny Depp-Amber Heard trial, right, where she brought similar allegations, and now they're going through the court process, and... It's starting to look more and more like this could be a setup of some sort, uh, like a money grab, or that there was some sort of ill intention set out that may not have been the most accurate, and it was just you know uh, some some bad looks, uh, maybe in a relationship that were now taken out of context, blasted to the entire world. It has blown up that man's career. Obviously, everyone knows he's been removed from Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, there's there's a lot of fallout that has come from that. So I think you now have, at the same time, 
a lot of these business owners, which unfortunately that's what any owner of a football team is, they're essentially a business owner, uh, who might look at some of these situations and say like, okay, well now wait, maybe these aren't the case and maybe this isn't as clear as what it may have been, um, which is tough, which is, which is really, really tough. Uh, this isn't like, unfortunately, the Ray Rice situation where you had video footage uh, from the elevator, right, where you, you knew exactly what it was that was what, what took place. This is some speculation. This is some, some text messages. Some, this is, there's, there's some area of, like, did or didn't it, and, which is unfortunate. It definitely is unfortunate. So you have to also at the same time wonder like, okay, well, let's say it goes through the entire process and we find out that there, that it wasn't accurate, right? Like, how can you, how do you punish somebody proactively? And then how would you, at the end of all of that, maybe recoup some of that if it turns out that they weren't accurate or that maybe it was a little bit more of like, you know, let's, let's just say for conversational sake, what if it was you know, one, one woman felt uncomfortable and a bunch of women came out and tried to capitalize on it at the same time. I'm not saying that that's the case. The likelihood of that being the case is, is pretty much non-existent. But because I know folks are, are going to bring this up and, and that's going to be some of the responses that we're going to get, let's, let's have that conversation real quick. What, how, do you, how do you make up for that in the event that Let's say you do suspend it for six games or something like that happens, or you, you take some sort of proactive approach that gets delayed, and then at the end of all of it, it turns out there was no wrongdoing that was found. It was all consensual, and, and maybe some folks got swept up in the moment. You can't go back and give them those six games back. Discovery would have, dis- yeah, but Discovery in the case would have found that by now, right? That's what happened to Zika Elliott, right? We all thought, oh, he, he might have done something, and then. Through discovery, because you got to give your cell phones up, unless you're Tom Brady. <laughs> um, through discovery, they found their sex message evidence, and we've not reached there yet. And the case has been going on for the better part of a year now. So I don't think with even more discovery, we're going to get that. I think that we're at a point where there's a legal impasse, and they don't have that's enough where, evidence to say something I one guess way that's, or the that's other. That's where I'm I'm at right now with the discovery and the evidence. They, you know, I haven't seen a lot of the the, the evidence been presented that's been like i saw i you know the one that you just mentioned where he messaged a woman afterward and said i'm sorry if you're on if i made you uncomfortable that wasn't my intention that could have been and again this is just for conversational sake i'm not assuming anything it's you know i i tend to believe where there's smoke there's there's fire but just just for conversational sake We've seen in a lot of these, you know, cases that have come up where someone has done something wrong or, or whatnot. Oftentimes there's, it seemed consensual until it was over with. And then it was, this was, you know, it came out after the fact that they were uncomfortable or something like that. And you've had actors and athletes come out and saying like, whoa, holy shit. I did not realize that this was a big deal and that you were uncomfortable and I put you in a bad spot. Um, I would love to know, like, the full context of that conversation. Like, if he sent that text message to her, did she just ghost him and never respond? Or was there some sort of, like, back and forth from it? Or, like... I don't even think it's that. Like, did they see each I, other again after that? I, like, I think uh, it's actually... we're going to talk about another one of those cases here in a moment where... Uh... Well, yeah, that, that, I think that's a good segue, actually. Because 
you you look at what every other league has done, and Major League Baseball has brought down the fucking hammer yeah. against two players. Um, the first one, Matt Harvey, 60 games for supplying drugs that ended up killing uh, another MLB player, uh, right, heroin. And that, I 100% agree with that 60-game suspension. I think it should be more. To be heroin or was it you, oxycodone? You actively led to I someone else. oxycodone, just to be clear, because I don't know if I – I mean, they're they're in there are illicit drugs that are banned sure, substances. I just want to be clear though, because providing games. heroin to somebody is, uh, in my opinion, like drastically different than oxycodone. One of them. I'm, yeah, I'm, I thought I thought that it was. Let me we'll go ahead and check, check the Google machine right here for Mr. Matt Harvey. But um, Trevor Bauer handed a 324 game suspension. Now, uh, an MLB season is 166 games, so the MLB said. Yeah, you might have said it's consensual between you and this alleged victim, but we are going to go right. ahead and throw the book at you. Even though you deny it. That's, that's what I'm saying, Tim. Is that like the MLB is saying, eh, we're going to go ahead and make sure that we protect the game, and that means until you prove otherwise, we are throwing the book, the encyclopedia series, the fucking Dewey Decimal System at you, and... That is right. what should be happening with Deshaun Watson. MLB is doing it. There have been other sports in which there has been sort of illicit or off the field or off the pitch, you know, conduct that other teams have made an example out of. The NFL is notorious right. for not doing yeah, it. Yeah, and I mean that's that's another like weird not weird. It's okay. Yeah, right. It was oxygen. That's worth clarifying only because uh someone out peddling, you know heroin which is while oxycodone is addictive heroin is obviously a, a drastic and far step removed from that that's that's like the scummiest of scum in my opinion but oxycodone is not that much better uh, yep. but i think actually the team's director of communication or something like that is the one who's going to like actual jail for it because they found that uh or the that the death was linked to some of his involvement so um while he's while he's getting while Harvey's yeah. getting sixty games, uh, the director of communications did not make it out so well. He faces like a minimum of like twenty years in prison or something like that. Yeah, I and I agree yeah, with that I because agree. he he uh, exchanged pills with with the guy, and then um, that that definitely aided in um, <clears throat> excuse me with Tyler Scraggs' uh, unfortunate death. I mean, he he died of an yeah. opioid overdose. But he was handed pills by a guy who was yep. a trusted individual inside of a, you know, inside of a, a clubhouse. Um, and there was another guy who was doing drugs with him. Like, the oxy, whether it's oxycodone, I mean, there's so much that's there. And it's just like, that is, yeah. whew, it's just very bad. I, I just think of all the shit that I had talked about the MLB with gutting the minor league, this, this lockout, all this other bullshit, when it comes to handing out punishment, that is one thing they seem to have on lock. And when you look at Trevor Bauer sentencing, I mean, he's appealing it. But if you're the Dodgers, you're like, hmm, okay, well, we might as well go, you know, try and get someone else because two, two whole friggin' seasons yeah. without this dude, you know what I mean? Like, is he going to be the same pitcher when he comes back? Want Who knows? back? Is he, is he going <laughs> to just, yeah. I mean, and I, and I think that that's, that's a, that's a fair, that's a fair comment to ask, right? Two seasons, not playing the game, even if he's throwing pitches, you know, at his local, uh, you know, field somewhere. It's it's not going to be the same. They're, the game is going to change, and 
honestly, this to me feels like the kiss of death from from the MLB, and that's kind of what I want to see in some of these yeah. other these other Although things. I guess like, I guess it's I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I'm just I guess let's if we, let's 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 you know do what we do. let's have the exercise that we just did for Deshaun Watson because this is another one that I know we'll get a lot of questions and comments on. So he this is another one where you know she came forward it it went through the legal proceedings turned out there were two encounters like they had an encounter in which she uh you know stated that she was uncomfortable and it felt uh rough he said it was consensual and then there was a second encounter afterwards so she came back and they went you know went through the whole thing again like and then she said that one was also uncomfortable but at the end of all this, like in a actual court of law, they like he's not going to face any sort of legal uh legal issues or there's there's no there's no charges or criminal charges that are gonna come from this. Now whether or not that was, you know, deals or whatnot kinda went that went on behind closed doors, but this is another case where it actually went through the legal process they are not bringing any charges against him for it, but the league is now suspending him for At the moment. Uh, no, I mean, I don't. I, I think at this point, it's it's kind of like the Los Angeles County District Attorney decided that they were, you know, that they weren't going to be bringing charges against him. So, like, this is this is for me where it kind of gets a little weird, a little gray area ish, where. It went, you know, there were allegations that were brought to court. I think, you know, not allowing him to play and, and whatever else was obviously a good idea through throughout the entire legal process. But now you're punishing someone for two full years who isn't actually being charged with a crime, right? That feels to me weird, Right, like yeah. I, I'm, I'm not saying yeah. right or wrong, or he's he's a good guy or bad guy. It sounds to me like he's a shitty human being, but if someone wasn't charged with a crime, it went through the legal process. At what point? I mean, I guess it's a private organization, it's a business, it's a company who has the ability to do whatever they want, um, but. Doesn't it feel like a little sticky having be, having him be suspended for two years without being charged with a crime? Doesn't that feel a little strange? Because then... The fact that it's gone on for as long as it has and not been dismissed outright in a court of law by a jury of your peers beyond a reasonable doubt, and I can throw in all the fucking legal... Mumbo jumbo because we just finished watching Inventing <laughs> Anna on Netflix before yeah. this episode. So, <laughs> um, no, I, I, I don't think that, I don't think you can say whether there's smoke, there's fire. And if it's taken two years, like, I mean, how long did it take for us to throw the books at Enron? Sure. You know, but how long there was, did it take there was like to, actual, there was, there was wrongdoings that came to light at the end of it and, and legal ramifications that came with it. At this point, she has the option to go to, like a civil suit and that's about it. Like he will not face jail time and he will not face any sort of uh extended legal trouble. Like at at the most they if he goes to like a civil a civil court and ends up paying you know some sort of fine or something like that, but he will not be facing any sort of legal 
ramifications or jail time. And in my opinion, and I get it, they have their own policies and they need to do what they need to do to, to ensure that their players are representing them on and off the field to a high level. Um, I just, and again, this is just for the sake of conversation and argument. I'm not saying I disagree with it, but I'm saying it feels a little sticky where in this particular case, there was no legal ramifications. He did not face any legal trouble. He was not charged with a crime, but the legal had said, the hell with it, we're, we're, we're suspending you for two years anyway. When there are folks who have actually been involved in legal troubles, like we just talked about a pitcher who may or may not have been involved in the death of a player with a controlled substance getting 60 games. Like, that, it just seems, it seems like one, like I would have assumed that he would have been suspended for two years or kicked out of the league or something. But the fact that you may have had a hand in the death of somebody and you get 60 games, you get accused by a woman who slept with you twice uh, and was uncomfortable by the situation. And the details of it came out were pretty horrendous. But again, it it happened on two different occasions. So there had to have been some some level of consent after the first one. If she went out and like, no, this was terrible. I'm, I'm going to my doctor and then i'm going to the police and whatnot the fact that you went through it once and then came back it either smacks of like the abusive relationship vibes or there was a level of consensual activity that was going on there that may have crossed the line which again where there's smoke there's fire and she went she did go to her doctor and you know they they did say that she suffered like injuries generally related to strangulation and whatnot uh, and I and I'll spare everybody the detail yeah, it, the details that's, of that's, it, but the fact that it was one individual, everybody lived, you know, it 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 was all dragged out in public light, and maybe it was bad lawyers on her behalf, or whatever the case may end up being. I feel like while that situation is is terrible for everybody involved. Being involved in the actual death of an individual seems like a more drastic and impactful violation of the league's policies in, in all capacities. In fact, it was a, a beloved player, so it literally impacted the game. And they got literally like yeah. uh, one fifth of what a fifth. you did for having uh, a rough two-day encounter or two-incident encounter with a woman who felt uncomfortable. Not, again, I don't want to, I don't want to diminish the impact of what that is. And if it was not consensual and, you know, that's trauma that she's going to have to deal with for a long time. So that's not to take away anything from her situation or whatnot. I just feel like where one carried legal weight and had ramifications afterwards and they got off with like, essentially two months which would be what eight starts and the other one who went through the court process and did not get charged with anything is literally like two full years and potentially the end of his career maybe rightfully so but it just feels like they still don't really know what they're doing it feels like uh sports teams across the board really don't know how to handle legal trouble and their players and how they should be 
holding them to a different standard. It seems like every scenario, and we can go all the way, we can, we can take it to something as casual or as, as non-impactful as like Tom Brady, right? Which that's a whole nother argument if we ever wanted to go down that path. That's not the same level of someone dying and it's not the same level of, of someone claiming sexual assault. That was a couple of balls that were deflated, but he got suspended longer than uh, some guys who did some of those things uh, you know, in the NFL. So it seems like all of these leagues are shooting from the hip and kind of making it up as they go. So it's very difficult for me to look at the MLB and say they did it perfectly. That was exactly the response that they should have had and all the leagues should take. It's it's tough. Yeah. It's just tough. I see it. It's decision to vacuum. It's, it's apple to orange, you know. It's a gotcha kind of comparison. But, you know, if we were to add a third variable into this, let's take a look at the detention of Brittany Griner who's a WNBA player who's been detained by the Russian government for almost 90-plus days for having hashish oil in her vape pen. She's been denied house arrest. She's had her pretrial detainment you know, extended. The embassy is not allowing... Well, the, the, the Russians are not allowing consulate members from the U.S. Mm-hmm. embassy to visit her. And this just feels like a forever suspension, yep. apparently due to cultural or societal blowback from a country that is mad that the United States is supporting a country right. that they're trying to annex. So um, I don't, you want to play devil's advocate, like, well, what, were you, what were you doing with hashish oil in Russia? Who, who gives a fuck? Like th- this is an American athlete uh, and the WNBA, you know, the reason why people play overseas is because they can make a lot of money. Uh, in these European or these these Asian or these Russian leagues. So they go there and they do that. That's been a problem with the sport. That doesn't really have an effect on why she's there. Why she's still there is a draconian measure by an authoritarian nation to say, yeah, when you do what we want, we'll go ahead and we'll give you your player back. And this whole, we've been very quiet. We're going to negotiate. We're going to use our back channels. We're going to try and be very diplomatic because the world is a delicate place at this time. Like, I understand that the United States does not negotiate with terrorists. This is a different scenario. This is a WNBA player whom is a mother, by the way, and has been wrongfully detained for choosing to go to another country and play basketball to make money and had a sheesh oil. And had we not given stinger missiles to the Ukrainians, this mm-hmm. she never would have been detained. You're going to have a very hard time convincing me otherwise that this is not for political clout or gain. And this is uh, a woman who doesn't deserve to be in this position. Absolutely. And the WNBA, and I will even say it, you know, our own our own federal government has been very, I think, to a point too quiet and too reliant on the, hey, we've got to go ahead and work the processes. We got to go, you know, easy behind the scenes like. A lot of people, and I'm, I'm not going to dig into it too much, but you should Google the story about Otto Wambier, who was uh, an American student who was wrongfully detained and put in harsh work conditions and severely beaten because he stole a sign when he went to Korea, North Korea. Now, when he came back and the, and the United States government you know, got him back, he died not too long after he got back. And they speculated that it was due to the wounds that he has. We have no idea the condition that Brittany Griner is in right now. We don't understand what she's going through. All we do know is that we are not detaining anyone 
who's a Russian sports athlete here in the country. This is just political fallout from the fact that the U.S. went to the IOC and, and um, the World Doping Agency and said, hey, the Russians are doping. Do something about it. Well, guess what? The, the Russians were doping, and the IOC decided to levy a ban on them, and that's why they weren't able to compete in the Olympics as Russian athletes. They were the Russian in International Olympic Committee, yeah. whatever it was. A country has to deal with the backlash for those things. The United States should not back down. We don't back down in, in other things. When when there is someone who is captured by a terrorist organization, we actively put resources out there to repatriate them. I do not understand why there is not someone right now going, uh, Russia, you have Edward Snowden and you have Brittany Griner. We know we're not getting Snowden back in anytime soon, but you know what? Brittany Griner is, is a very important person to us, as is Edward if he wants to come back and face his trial and his charges, but like, what the fuck, man? Like, it, this seems to be like not just an underreported story because there's a lot of sports stories that are going on, but we may not see Brittany Griner back on American soil for a considerable yeah, amount. Of I mean, time. I agree with that. Uh, you know, I I think while all those are valid points, like comparing the two scenarios, ones that we discussed with that one are not only apples and oranges, but that's like apples and you know. Yeah, kiwis is our star fruit. <laughs> I mean, even more than that, that's like comparing fruits and vegetables. Like that's that is uh, that's a scenario that like the league has no power over, right? That is political fallout. I know that the league, both the NBA and the WNBA, supposedly have not only been in communication with her uh, as often as possible, but I know that they've all you know. There's a petition out from uh, her. WNBA team, the NBA has come out and said that they've been working with the WNBA and every level of government to try and, you know, figure a way out in, in, in terms of how this is, is done. Uh, but to say that this is the same as like Trevor Bauer and, and, and those, I think is, that one's a tough one. That, that one I think is a little bit too big of a, of, of, of a bridge to make between those two scenarios. One of them is, uh, a country, one of one of a few countries that takes such, you know, political stances and use those as as forms of leverage. Uh, you know, Korea being one of those, uh, who end up doing kind of the same scenarios. That Russia has several folks um, in their possession from the U.S. that have been charged with various crimes. That you know, family members have come out and said we're we're bogus or incorrect or. Or whatever. This this just like I, I I think this just kind of bolsters my point that like these are things I that agree, shouldn't but be occurring. What does the NBA have like to when, do when with any had, of that? You know, when we when we had issues with the Russians, when we had issues with the Russians, we expelled them from mm -hmm. the United States embassies. That's what we did. That's what you do. That that's what the playbook. So says. then, if it, you know, and, and I understand that we're not we're not comparing these things. I'm just saying, Brittany Griner being forever suspended because she chose to go to Russia and play uh, basketball and had hashish oil in her, in her pipe, like on the way through security, like that, uh, just, that seems dumb. I, I, seems, I agree. Really we were dumb. talking about the league's ability to levy suspensions and, and whatnot. And in the response to uh, like activities and whatnot. Well, I mean, do you, do you think that there's what, what, what is the WABA's take on, on hashish oil? Right, but they or, didn't suspend her. The, the Russian government is holding her hostage as a as a prisoner. But like, what is? Yeah, but do, do you not do you not see where they're 
do you not see where there's an instance in which there might be a, well, we know that, you know, you, you did go through some stuff over there, but we have to, we got to follow the rule books here. And, you know, she sure is not technically legal yet. So we might go ahead and give you a, you know, a, a 15 or 20. I mean, uh, maybe, like, maybe a more accurate. It, I, I'm saying, I think more of an accurate comparison would be like Jakari Richardson, which we already talked about before, right? Where she like, yeah, we can't compare political strife and climate to like the way the NBA and the or the MLB and the NFL handle player misconduct because she did. Sure, she got caught with an illegal substance. Which, yes, you know, we, anybody who goes through any airport with any sort of drug paraphernalia is a dumbass. Just to put it out there, but it's not her fault that Russia has chosen to keep her prisoner for this long because of the political fallout now i can't say what happens if you know she gets released if the wnba is going to do a thing like that if that that's a conversation we'll have when that happens but for now that comparing that and trevor bauer and 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 all of these other guys it's it's not quite the same if we wanted a more accurate comparison we would have to compare shikari richardson because we, we've talked about this before, and I played devil's advocate on that one also. While I understand what they did was incredibly harsh, everybody knows the rules across the board when it comes to substances that are federally illegal and internationally illegal, and she chose to do that and ended up getting caught and getting you know removed from the Olympics or whatnot. Whether you agree with that being the case or not, that is another one of those scenarios where there was a legal precedent. It was violated. It was proven to violate it because they did a drug test. And action was taken on that. So that did follow the process from start to finish. And the resolution was that she was removed the team. Was that resolution uh, valid? Probably not. Maybe it was a little harsh considering uh, they should have taken into account, you know, local laws or whatnot. But that's not going to happen when you travel overseas. It's not like what we're seeing right now. The the outcome of her situation is being held by the Russian government, but it's the similar situation where she went into it, there's a legal precedent, she violated that precedent, but because there's a war going on currently, and it's Russia versus the world, uh, they're using that as leverage. But yep. the Shikari Richardson thing is one of those where, like, there was a legal precedent, it, uh, there was a test, and then there was a fallout from that. The same thing that's happening with, with Harvey. That's the thing, too. There was a legal precedent. Uh, he went to court. He was found, you know, to be involved with that, admitted in a, uh, a court that he was involved. The league took action. My only question was that in, in like, Trevor Bauer's situation, it went through the legal proceedings. There were no legal charges that were brought to it. At what point do you institute your own misconduct and player misconduct type policies and how do you say that they are without the legal ramifications that come with those court proceedings how can you possibly assign a harsher penalty than you would someone who uh broke a law and then was like found guilty of that or somebody who was involved in like the the death of another player that's that's the only point i was making i think that the russia thing is is that there, that one's far too complicated to draw comparisons between those those two of them. If she went to Russia, got caught, got arrested, came back, and they suspended her for a couple games in the WNBA or or whatever, we could that would be 
a more accurate conversation, but to, to try and rope in like the Russian government and our government in terms of like what's going on there, it's unfortunate that's not quite, it'd be like Luca getting in trouble here and then, you know, back home they decide to kill his visa and he gets, you know, kicked out of the country and has to go back home and is quote unquote permanently suspended because they won't clear his visa to come. That's, that would be that kind of comparison. But I think her situation and the three that we just talked about in terms of like the legal troubles, I think they're, they're different. Now, when she gets out and comes home and, and faces illegal suspension for uh, having illegal narcotics, then, then we could, we'll have that conversation when that one comes up. But we'll see. I agree. <laughs> I suppose. All right. That's the legal spot segment. We have to make this a, a nice little, uh, nice little thing here. Let's Tim. Let's let's wrap up this episode of Stats Matter Podcast. Talking a little NHL. The B yeah. season is over. And those damn Tampa Bay Lightning won Game Seven, so I guess we got to fucking talk about them. Um, second round Eastern Conference playoffs: Panthers, Tampa Bay, New York Rangers, Carolina Hurricanes, Panthers, Tampa Bay Lightning. Who you got? Um. I mean, I, I don't know why I'm even thinking about this. I'm going to go Tampa. I've been saying for like the last several uh, NHL seasons, you know, ever since we've been doing this podcast that the Lightning is a team that, you know, tends to play incredibly well in the playoffs. Uh, obviously, they won two years ago. Who knows? It was a COVID year, whatever. Uh, they won two years ago. Uh, so they, <laughs> they have the potential that here they are. They're, they're back flirting with it again. They're a phenomenal team. So I'm going to... I'm going to go Tampa. Yeah. In how many games? Five. Five. I, I also said five. I, I think they have enough firepower. I think the Panthers will keep it, you know, interesting for maybe a game or two, but I, I think possibly an OT game, but maybe not. All right. Rangers, Hurricanes. Who you got? This one's a little bit of a tougher one because... I think the Rangers have the ability to string together some solid games if their uh, if their defense and their goalies t- carry their end of the deal. Uh, which I mean, it's easy to say across the board, you know, uh, for every team, but. Um, Uh, I, don't know, I was trying to look something up, but I can't find what I was trying to. I mean, if I if I take a look at goals for and goals against, goals against they're they're, they're pretty much the same, right? Um, two hundred two for the uh, Hurricanes; those are goals allowed, and Rangers two hundred seven. For me, where the big difference is is pure yep. scoring opportunity, and the Rangers have had more games in the postseason to be able to do that, and they're. 254 to the Hurricanes 278. That's a sizable jump. That is, you don't come correct one night and you lose 4-1, which is a massive swing, you know, in a regular season game, but a much bigger swing in in the Stanley Cup playoffs, which is why I personally am leaning Hurricanes in six. I, th- I think the teams are very, very closely matched, but I think I think the Hurricanes will will pull it out because they get the pucks going. It's a little difficult to slow yeah, down. Yeah, I know the Rangers have a leg up. Uh, in terms of games, uh, no, uh, I think the Hurricanes do. I think they're three to one this season. Uh, 
Um, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm just gonna. I guess I'm gonna go with like a gut pick here. I think the Rangers are gonna put together some uh, pretty good defensive games and squeak a few of these out. I think it'll probably go long, but I'm gonna say Rangers in six. All right. First time we we've not agreed on some of these picks. <laughs> so let's see what let's see what happens. We should have made a picks bet. Damn it. All right. We'll move on into the Western Conference. The Colorado Avalanche versus the St. Louis Blues. I think Avalanche in, in six. What do you uh, think? I agree with that. I think, uh, in my opinion, the Blues are a little bit of an overachieving team uh, this far. Um, they're not the team they were. 49 wins versus 56. Uh, I think they were. Um, but this, was, this was four years ago. Maybe with with Otani and and some of their core team, uh, I might have gone Blues, but no, I'm gonna, I'm not, I'm not, I'm gonna say, I think I'm gonna be wrong on this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Avalanche and Avalanche and five actually. Oh man, it would be, it would be great if they won another round in, in four <laughs> games, but yeah, you know, sometimes you just you don't have all that uh, luck. All right, last thing here. Calgary Flames, Edmonton Oilers. Keep in mind, Flames, top of the Pacific Division. Oilers, second. Right. Goals, four, separated by three. Goals allowed. Flames, 208. Oilers, 252. On paper, this does not look like a matchup. This should be an easy route for the Flames. That is why it will not happen. I predict this series goes to seven. Of all the teams that we talked about, I think five or six will be eventually what needs to happen because I think a coach will get Harry, you know, I and just go, oh my God, we have to do this. We got to win this game. And we, you know, just fucking go put out there on the ice. I think that these two teams being as close and then feeling, because these are some teams that I've not seen in the deep in the postseason. We've not talked about them, you know, make it to the Stanley cup. So like they have a lot to fight for. This might be one of the better hockey matchups to watch in the postseason. Um, but it probably will not carry enough of your attention. I, that's why I think flames in seven. Uh, I don't know if I agree. I don't know if I agree with that. Um, when you have, you know, someone like Connor McDavid out there, for the Oilers, when him and uh, the Dresdall are on, like the scoring chances between those two, uh, they make up for almost half of the scoring chances for the entire team. Like those are two, like top playmakers, uh, in the league, and especially team, um. I'm gonna go. I trust. I trust Connor a little bit more. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Oilers. And I'm gonna say Oilers. I think this is gonna be a surprise. Oilers in five. Okay. So let's see. Um, we agreed on the first one, so that one's dead. The New York Rangers versus the Hurricanes. We went split. We both said Avalanche for the Blue. So. Really, that can't do anything. So we we have one game in the Eastern Conference and one game in the Western Conference in which we've picked completely yeah. differently. I say we make a four-pack bet on these games. 
So um, if we both win one, it's a wash. If I win one, and so basically, if the Hurricanes win and the Oilers do not, four pack, oh. and All vice right. versa. If the Rangers win and the and the Flames do not, All right. then a four pack done. Four pack bet, putting it in the notes. Because remember, you can score at least two points in, in, in an NBA game. So you should be pretty good at picking, you know, NHL postseason yeah, hockey. Yeah. We'll see. At least two points. At least two points. I could run down and, like, jump into somebody and make two two free throws if I need to. Because just jumping into someone. No, actually, I don't, I don't know if you saw that. So so the Board of Governors is going to vote on a rule that a transition foul is no longer going to get you two foul shots. It's going to get you one. Okay, well, I need to do it twice. Because they're doing that rule in the G league. Well, I, yeah, I don't know the chances that you get two fouls in an NBA game are like, what, I think pretty low. low. All right. That right, will do it for this episode. Is pretend to shoot a three and like throw my body into somebody. It's a foul. That's it. That's it. I don't even have to make the three point Tim. First, you got to dribble the ball oh, playing with the see, monsters see, on the court. Doubt, pretty much. You doubt my without ability the juice. to dribble. Then, then you got to catch, you got, you got to catch a bounce pass or a chest pass. Or even worse, a Mahomes type pass from down, you know, across the court. Have you seen these hands? You Have you seen find these a hands? Way to I can jump. Like, oh boy, your boy's got hands. Oh, boy. I could. Oh my god! Real quick, the the I blinked and the, the down by almost twenty points. How did that happen? Uh, but no, I can I can catch a basketball um, pass. I can dribble. I got I got some I got some I got some some moves. I broke I broken an ankle or two in my day. Don't you worry. But they were your ankles. They weren't anyone else's. <laughs> All I'm saying, give me uh, give me a full game, as many minutes on the court as I could possibly breathe, and I could at least get two points. Some mediocre bit of, of effort could warrant two points for uh, anybody. So. Oh, shit. All right. That will do it. For this episode of Sass America Podcast, we thank you all very much for joining us on another rousing edition. Find those beers, put them in your cup, watch some damn postseason NBA and NHL. And I don't know, maybe like go to Google and become you know legal scribes in your in, in your free time. Comment, send us some DMs. All right, everybody, you thank you very much. Get it. Peace, peace.